0: In the name of the God who is love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's all about love. It really is. If we could all just know how deeply we are loved, remember that this love is the core of our identity, and recognize that participating in and sharing this love is the only thing worth doing, then we could come and see the abundant life that Jesus intends for us all. A life well lived is a life lived in the way of love. That's what today's collect and scripture passages are pointing us towards. The collect captures it so well. O God, you have taught us to keep all your commandments by loving you and our neighbor. We know that the golden rule gives us this wisdom. It is the great commandment that Jesus gives. Love God and our neighbors as ourselves. We keep the commandments by loving. What is loving we are to do and what is not loving we are not. To do. We know from Scripture that Jesus came because God so loves the world, and by sharing in this love we will be known as his disciples. This love is our source, our identity, and our mission. And when Jesus sends out the 70 to proclaim the kingdom of God, he is sending us out in the name of love to proclaim this love to the world. That's an easy enough message for me to give, but much more complicated to understand and to put into practice. This is because we don't always know what we mean when we say love. If we were to define love based on how we often use it, it would be something like, I like you a whole lot, which is a very nice sentiment, but that is not love. One theologian has said that to love is to will the good of the other. And I like that definition. Love is about our wills, our intentions, our purposes directed towards something beyond us. And if a picture is worth a thousand words, then the picture of love that will save us some time this morning is the image of Jesus on the cross. Love can certainly be rooted in our thoughts and our feelings, but love becomes real with action, action that costs us something and gives life to others. What's interesting about the commission that Jesus issues in Luke is that the 70 are not told to go out and further the kingdom of God, nor are they tasked with building the kingdom. Rather, Jesus simply tells them to proclaim the kingdom. We do not have to develop the strategy, come up with the message, or create the plan. We simply announce what has already been done by Jesus. The mission is to announce the kingdom has come near, that God's love has come to each of us. Now, the kingdom of God, that's one way of understanding what love is all about. The kingdom that Jesus speaks of, though, is not a geographical kingdom. Israel is not the kingdom of God, nor is the United States. Later in Luke, when speaking about the kingdom, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. Another way of putting this would be that the kingdom is about the beloved community of God. The kingdom is not a place, it is a reality, a state of grace, compassion, generosity, and belovedness, which define and shape our relationships with God, ourselves, our enemies, and our neighbors. And this is why Jesus connects the healing of the sick with the announcement of this kingdom. One of the great hymns about love opens with, My song is love unknown, my Savior's love to me, Love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. And that is what Jesus has done for us, to show love to the loveless that we might lovely be. Though we are marred by sin, full of contradictions, doubts, and apathy, lacking in love for God, ourselves, and others, Jesus nevertheless comes to us to show us love so that we might lovely be. And when we live with that forgiveness at the core of our identity and announce this grace to others, that's the kingdom. As we strive for beloved community, we are proclaiming the nearness of God's reconciling love. Jesus also describes this reality as peace, as he says that when we enter a place, we are to say, peace to this house. Now, Peace is not about a lack of hostility. Peace often involves conflict. That's why Jesus warns us that we are going out into the midst of wolves. Instead of peace being about what is missing, namely conflict, peace is about what is there, the fullness of love. The sort of peace that Jesus speaks of is shalom in Hebrew, and it means something like fullness, wholeness, or wellness. Peace is a way of saying that things are as they should be. And as we've already seen, another way of saying that things are as they should be is when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind, and love our neighbor's. As ourselves. Right now there is decidedly a lack of peace in our lives and our society. There is a lack of civility in our politics and our interactions with one another. Just go to a school board meeting or an airport, read the comments online or in the newspaper and you will see this lack on full display. There is a lack of peace in our personal lives as evidenced by the endless hours of watching videos or scrolling on our phones as an attempt to pacify ourselves. Others use substances, gamble, or turn hobbies into obsessions to try to find peace. Now, yes, of course, there are bright spots everywhere because the grace of God is found everywhere. But peaceful is not a word that many people would use to describe the state of things these days and a significant reason for this restlessness is a lack of love in our culture now i realize i'm preaching to the proverbial choir because you're here but church attendance is at an all-time low during the pandemic for the first time since it has been tracked less than 50 percent of Americans said that they were religiously affiliated. Now, yes, I know that it is summertime, and attendance always dips in the summer, but not like this. In January 2020, on an average Sunday at St. Luke's, we had about 160 people here between the two liturgies. Now, between the two, it's about 100. And this is not unique here at St. Luke's i have spoken with colleagues across denominations, across the city, the diocese and the country. And they all describe the very same trend. We can say that that we love God all that we want. But when there's not much evidence to support that claim, well, we can't be surprised when there's a lack of peace in our lives as well. Now, church attendance, of course, is not magic. If everyone attended church every single week, this would still be a nation full of sinners. But at least we could be a little bit more loving in our sinfulness. Because the thing is, it is awfully hard to give what you do not have. If we have not received peace, it is hard to be at peace. If we have not been reminded of just how graciously and fully we are loved, it is a lot more of a challenge to be loving. And this is why liturgy and worship are so important. We do not come to worship because God requires it or needs it, but because we need it. We require worship in the same way that plants require soil and water. Because we all worship something. We all have a sun around which our lives orbit. It's a question of what is at the center. If it is power, wealth, success, pleasure, personal integrity, we will never find that peace that passes all understanding. Worship grounds us in God's love and it empowers us to thrive in this love as we share it. Love is one of the only things that grows the more we give it away. In coming together as a beloved community, in intentional worship, to come and see the difference that Christ makes, as we pray, confess our sins, hear the story of God's love for us, and receive the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation, we are experiencing things as they are intended to be, and thus receive the peace of the kingdom that we are to announce to the world. In Galatians, St. Paul is pointing to the same thing when he refers to the new creation. The Galatian church was short on peace, as divided factions were not walking in the way of love. And so Paul writes to say that these distinctions that we make between ourselves are meaningless because of the all surpassing love of God. In all seriousness, why do we insist? on not living at peace and in love which we have been given. God came to us in the flesh, showed us the fullness of this love, died to make it clear that God loves us, and then rose from the dead to further demonstrate that love is the most powerful thing in all creation. And yet we still fight, neglect, and abuse one another. St. Paul writes to remind us of this new creation, of just how wonderful and beautiful God's love for us is. And as he does so, he writes, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what it's all about. A cross-shaped life is what Jesus came to give us, because in the cross we find peace, grace, and love. The cross teaches us that all can be redeemed, that death is not final, and that there is no limit to God's love. Now, as we're thinking about how we can keep the commandments by loving God and our neighbor, I want to make sure that this sermon is practical, not theoretical. Elsewhere in Galatians, St. Paul writes that we are to bear one another's burdens. This is one way we love one another and find the peace that comes from being a part of a beloved community. I've been so humbled to have received a lot of appreciative feedback on last Sunday's sermon. And the sermon ended up being shared with people beyond this church. And I have received several notes from women over this past week. Some would identify as very conservative, others as very progressive. And many of them have shared personal experiences of how isolated they have felt from the church because of issues and decisions related to reproduction. In short, we've not been bearing one another's burdens because the church has either been silent on issues related to reproduction or it has been judgmental, which has left women and families dealing with miscarriages and infertility to deal with those on their own. Because we have made certain topics off limits we have essentially refused to be a beloved community that bears one another's burdens because we have said, I don't wanna talk about that. Well, if the church is going to have any future, we can no longer let people suffer because we don't want to have to have an uncomfortable conversation. And a similar point is true for listening to the experiences of African-Americans and people of color in our society. Label those conversations, whatever you want to label them. But we have to learn about the burdens of our brothers and sisters if we are going to carry them together. Another way to practice this peace and this love is to live as if it's already true, because it is. Now, I'm not going to name names, but sometimes people leave the church. And to be honest, it breaks my heart every time it happens. Not so much because I feel rejected. I don't worry about that. But I cannot stand the thought of something I did or said or something I did not say or did not do ever coming between someone and God. And so in attempting to find reconciliation with one such person, I sent a letter in which I wrote, The fact of the matter is that eventually all will be reconciled in Christ. It's always sweeter when we can enjoy that now instead of later. You all hear me quote often, All shall be well, and it all shall be well. But that does not mean that this wellness cannot be experienced now. Because of the love of God in Christ, things have already been made well every time we choose forgiveness over resentment honesty over silence reconciliation over estrangement we are participating in the work of loving god and our neighbor i don't know who it is that you need to forgive perhaps even yourself but do it life is too short our world is too short on peace for us not to receive and share the love that we have been given in Christ. Jesus tells us the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. It is for us to enjoy the abundance of God's love and share it with all.